Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Film for Fans podcast, the podcast from movie fans for movie fans. I am your host, Ryan Dunleavy, joined by my co-host, Rob Dunham. Evening. Ah, what, what you got there? I can't really tell. Oh, pirates. Okay. Yeah, it's like a kind of cool pirate theme take on the pirates. Yeah. I got it from, it was an in-stadium only hat. Oh. And uh, it's, I decided every pirates game I go to, I'm going to buy a hat. Mm. from the stadium so yeah that's what i got but this is not a pirate's hat podcast. this is not a pirate's hat podcast it is not a hat <laughs> podcast this is a movie podcast and we have an excellent show we will talk about the box office uh, we will give an update on the next part of dune we'll talk about horror films that maybe go too far we will discuss movie ownership and of course our watch list all right, Rob, let's get it started. Box office debuts. Capture the title. Uh, number one at the box office for this past weekend was Halloween Ends at $40.1 million. So the supposed end of the series uh, has a pretty big release. Uh, that's one of the bigger releases you will see for a horror genre film. Obviously, it has a lot of legacy going for it. Number two, another horror film, Smile, does $12.6 million. It is now up to $71.3 in its three-week run. Lyle Lyle Crocodile, uh, the kids' movie, uh, did $7.4 million. It has $22 million in its two-week run. The Woman King at $3.7 uh, has $59.8 million for its five-week run. And Amsterdam in its second week does $2.8 million and to close out the top five. Rob, what do you make of the box office? I'm pretty impressed with the number for Halloween. Yeah. And I I don't think I would have predicted it to be that high. Well, especially um, with the streaming component, because this yeah. came out on Peacock. Yeah. I mean, Peacock yeah. isn't the biggest streaming service, but still. Yeah. Yeah, I, I definitely could have seen it having maybe half of this or a little over half of this number exactly given what you said like yeah. um i i think this is an indicator for us if we have not already picked up on it just in general that people are going back mm -hmm. to the movie theater um, because i think if this would have been a year ago the numbers would have been a lot different based yeah. on the fact that it was releasing on streaming at the same time yeah yeah and I think the there are I will say there are certain movies, I wouldn't say genres, but movies where you want the full experience. And and I would say a movie like this where you want you want that in theater sound, you want that that scary experience. So I think that's one of the ones where it's more of a destination movie, also, I think. Um, so I think that helped it also. Um, I'm not surprised that uh, first and second uh, come in for horror, given uh, the time of year we were in. People are in the mood for that. Um, any uh, any other uh, takeaways from the box office? Uh, not a whole lot, really. I mean, I think it's pretty true to form for what we expected. There's not, like you said, real any major studio movies that came out over the last couple of weeks that would have threatened any of these and um mm -hmm. 
I do think I I do think that I I am still impressed by the Halloween number because I don't think we've talked about this before where you might go to the theater and be like, what should I go watch? Like, I I don't necessarily think that a horror movie is one that people would just be like, yeah, let's go watch that. Yeah. Um. So I do think it's a an impressive showing for Halloween ends to have the number that it does. I will say I still need to go see Amsterdam. It's still the number one on my list to go to. Um, and I was a little surprised given the the sheer number of stars in that movie that it has not done a little better. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure if that's just because of when it came out um, or if people just there wasn't a ton of promotion for it. I know that much. Um, but I would have thought if you're just looking to go to a movie and you see all of these big name actors in it, you'd be like, oh, let's go see that. Uh, so yeah, then, I think it, was, yeah. it from what I saw, it was marketed way more in. um like an independent movie style. Mm-hmm. Like if you could, if you would compare it to uh, death on the Nile, which was everywhere. Yeah. Like marketing wise and had the same kind of like well-known ensemble cast. Mm-hmm. Um, this, this is the, like same type cast wise just was not approached in that way by the studio. Yeah. Yeah. It's true. It's true um okay so that's uh that's the box office for last weekend uh we have three movies that are debuting this weekend um probably the biggest release among them is uh black adam starring the rock and that of course is um the superhero movie, and this is nearly 5,000 years after he was bestowed with almighty powers of the Egyptian gods and imprisoned just as quickly, Black Adam is freed from his earthly tomb, ready to unleash his unique form of justice on the modern world. And uh, like I said, of course, this stars Dwayne Johnson, Aldous Hodge, uh, reprises his role as uh, Hawkman. Um, we have Pierce Brosnan is in there. Noah Center. I don't know how to pronounce that guy's name. Uh, <laughs> Sarah Shahi uh, is in this also. Uh, so there's your cast on that. Um, what do you make of Black Adam? Interested? Not interested? Somewhere in between? Well, it's obviously going to have a huge number because all the James Bond fans are going to come out to watch Pierce Brosnan. <laughs> um, this is a DC uh, franchise, by the way, in case yeah. you're not aware of that. I will probably go see it, I think. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't say I'm super hyped up to see it, but I will also say that if we were going to play, I think we should play the uh, we should play the prediction game on this one. Because I think this one is... Mm. Okay. Is uh is one where it could be, I, I could see this coming in a very wide range. Yeah, I think you're of right. totals because I think Dwayne Johnson is an absolute draw mm-hmm. in the theater, especially being the main character as a superhero. Um, I'm going to guess that this movie will do seventy-five to eighty million dollars opening weekend. Okay. Okay. I was thinking a similar range, but I got to make a different guess. So, um, 
I'm going to say it's, I'm going to go 85 million. I was trying yeah. to decide whether I wanted to go less or more. Uh, I'll go, I'll go more. I'll go 85 million. So saying that number, I would say, although I'm not super crazy excited about it, I think there are going to be people who are. Um, and I think enough people to, to have that kind of um, draw in the box office. Okay. Let me ask you this. Do you think it will be good? That's a really good question. Because <laughs> it's not the That's same as whether people will go to, see to, it. To give your question since you asked me if it would be good. Um, that's that's an intriguing question um, yeah. because DC has had man DC is just so all over the map <laughs> exactly when it comes to the quality exactly and I'm so hesitant to trust them with a movie like this because the movies that they've had with traditional superheroes where they try and make a regular superhero movie have almost universally not been great with this um, iteration of the franchises. I mean, the the ones that have been really good, like Joker, um, even I would say, but the new Batman, those movies aren't like typical superhero movies. They're dark and they're mm-hmm. they're um, brooding and they're more inward focused. And this is not that kind of movie. So I'm I, really not sure. I will say to their to give them some props, they have done reasonably well with origin stories. So the first Wonder Woman was a pretty good movie. Aquaman was a pretty good movie. Uh, Even going back, Man of Steel was a pretty good movie. It's once they get past the introduction to the character that they really start. um, It just goes downhill from there. Mm -hmm. Um, So they have been okay at making those uh, movies work. However, they are, I would say, much more well-known characters than Black Adam. Yeah. Um, so there is, I wouldn't say it's harder to screw up because, yeah, they've screwed him up. Yeah. Um, but I mean, there's a, like, there's a, there's a more well worn path, I would say, towards those ones. And I the interesting thing about what you said about Black Adam being well known, like when the Guardians of the Galaxy came out, mm-hmm. unless you were a major comic book nerd, you had you no idea who they them. were. Yeah. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. it is the. And this is probably it would it would display itself more in the long run of word of mouth and people going back after the first weekend. Mm-hmm. But if this is a good movie and if enough people can connect with the character, then it will make a lot of money. Yeah. But that's that's the real question. Is mm-hmm. this a movie that's going to come out big and then hold um, have staying power? And yeah. it's going to have to be that that character connects with people and. One thing I, I really I I personally am a big fan of Dwayne Johnson. He really does not have a huge amount of range, but I like the char- kind of characters he plays. I think some people are really not as interested in him for that reason. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's the question I have: Will he be able to do something with this character that differentiates it from um, who he has been in a lot of other movies? Or is he just going to be the rock? Yeah. Playing a superhero. That's the question. That's the question. Because a lot of his other roles now, he is just the rock. You know, he's the rock in this. He's the rock in that. This this would require him to be less the rock. Mm -hmm. So, I don't know. We'll see. 
We'll see. So I had oh. you down at 75 to 80 million is what you said. Yeah. So okay. since you asked me and I kind of answered, do mm-hmm. you think it's going to be a good movie? Um, I would say on the top end, it's going to be decent. So I would say if I had, if I were placing a bet on, on where it was going to be from, from like great, good, decent, eh, bad, I would probably place it at decent. Mm. Um, I think it has a chance to be good and a chance to be, eh, I think that's its range, but I would, I would place probably on it being decent. Um, That's, that's my guess, but who knows? All right, so we got two more movies coming out this weekend. The next one is Ticket to Paradise. And this, of course, stars George Clooney and Julia Roberts. A divorced couple teams up and travels to Bali to stop their daughter from making the same mistake they think they made 25 years ago. So we've got a kind of a romantic comedy starring George Clooney and Julia Roberts, who are no strangers to the box office uh, themselves. They have been in multiple movies together. Uh, Rob, what do you make of Ticket to Paradise? Oh, golly gee, I wonder if they're going to end up together. (laughs) (laughs) Are you saying that this genre has very spelled out plot lines? No, I wouldn't say it's formulaic at all. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. I, there's not a whole lot that excites me about this, honestly. Yeah. I kind of feel like I already know what's going to happen. Maybe maybe it's not. Maybe it won't. But when you when you read a plot synopsis like that, it's like, well, I want obviously, you know. Yeah. Well, and I think... I mean, I think it will do reasonably well because you're going to have all the couples who are like 50 years old and over going to this movie. Um, So, I mean, I think they're still somewhat of a draw. I don't think they have the broad audience that they used to. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think there's still enough of the... There's enough people who would want to see them in these roles that that it will do a decent number. Um, But nothing crazy. Uh, and our last release uh, for this weekend is My Policeman. And this is starring Harry Styles, um, Emma Corrin, and Gina McKee. Rupert Everett is also in this one. And this is the arrival of Patrick into Marion and Tom's home triggers the exploration of seismic events from... 40 years previously. That's kind of enigmatic. I don't really know that I understand what that means. I'm I'm pretty sure they don't mean earthquake. So, yeah. (laughs) Um, So Harry Styles, when he is not uh, stealing Olivia Wilde, is uh, apparently still starring (laughs) in movies. Um, So, yeah, my policeman. Um, I have no idea what to make of this film. (laughs) Yeah, uh, all I have to say is they're really trying to really trying to make Harry Styles happen. Yeah, that's uh, (laughs) stop trying to make fetch happen, guys. It's not. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it was. uh, I mean, I don't think he was terrible in uh, Don't Worry, Darling, which I did have a chance to see, but I also don't think he was like 
that he wasn't anything special yeah in it yeah yeah so uh that's that's your entrance into the box office and of course most of your other films will be in there as well so uh check it out you got lots of varying options i would say out of all of these movies i'm most excited to watch a movie that comes out on october 28th on netflix <laughs> all quiet on the western front yes absolutely so we'll talk about that next week though yeah because that will be coming out next week yeah, we'll definitely have to get to that one because I am also equally excited about that. All right, ma'am. Let's go to a couple of news stories. And the first one is we've got an update on Dune. And it is a good update. I I'm I like these type of updates because, <laughs> you know, it seems like every time you got a movie release update for the last couple of years, it was all right. How much longer do we have to wait for this one? Yeah, yeah. No longer, people. Dune Part 2 as its release date pushed forward. Yes, that's right. We will get to see the second part of the Dune sequel earlier. Now, don't get too excited. It's only a couple weeks earlier, but still, it's earlier. Um, uh, Basically, Marvel put a pause on the Blade movie while it's searching for a new director, and so they needed something to fill the role that Blade was going to occupy, and they have moved Dune. Uh, Dune will now be released on November 3rd, 2023, as opposed to November 17th, 2023. So yeah, we're not getting a huge, uh, a huge break on this one, but still two weeks is two weeks. I'll take it. Uh, Rob, what do you make of getting to see Dune earlier? I mean, anytime I get to use the word Fortnite in the sentence, I'm very excited. (laughs) So we get to see Dune an entire Fortnite before it was originally scheduled. Love it. And Two weeks earlier, I will absolutely take over a year and a half delay like we had yeah. heard for some things when this pandemic started. So, yeah, and I, I'm just I'm just pleased because not only are we getting it two weeks earlier, like when the original one was out released, we weren't even sure if we were getting a second. one. Yeah. And so the fact that we're getting it, we're getting it next year and we're getting it earlier than we thought is all good news. Yeah, I'm already super excited that there is a second one. So <laughs> mm-hmm. any any positive news about it is just more exciting. Yeah. And I actually watched uh, Dune, uh, the first Dune uh, this week. So we'll get to that when we get to the watch list. Uh, so, yeah, Dune's coming out a couple weeks earlier. Can't wait. All right, so the next the next story, and I have to give credit for this one. This one, this story came to me from my wife of all people. <laughs> Don't Given know the context she... of the story, uh, that is very surprising to me. Yeah, I have absolutely no <laughs> idea how she came across this, but apparently she did, and uh, yeah. I think uh, those so... sleepless baby nights might be turning your wife into a, a different person. Uh... Yeah, that'd be weird. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so let me read you the title. This is from the New York Post. Depraved horror movie causes viewers to vomit and faint in theaters. I know you're intrigued. <laughs> Basically, the idea is um, this slasher flick, Terrifier 2, is apparently so graphic that when they showed it to test audiences, they were vomiting and passing out in their seats. Yeah, so that's uh, that's the marketing for this movie. 
Um, everyone who shows up gets uh, has to pass out, vomit, um, have other sort of horrible type things. Um, now, this is a crowdfunded horror indie flick, uh, which is supposed to play in over 850 theaters nationwide. And it is supposedly uncut and uncompromised. And it's the sequel to uh, an original movie called Terrifier, which apparently was also bloody and disgusting. Um, Rob, I know you have uh, a little bit of experience with, uh, with this genre. What what do you make of, of Terrifier 2? So this movie is playing in at least the Regal in New York. I don't know about mm. Lancaster. Um, I am always very skeptical when it comes to a movie being described this way because I feel like it's um, a lot of times just hype. And like you said, marketing. Like I do think that um, they have used this kind of language to try and get people to be like, oh, it sounds so scary. It sounds so gross. Let's go watch it. And like, yeah. I don't know if it is or will be. Um, however, I will say that I have seen the first five minutes of Terrifier, the original mm. one from a couple of years ago. And that was only a couple of minutes, but it was very graphic. Showed someone's eyes getting gouged out by someone else. Um and showed the introduction of this clown guy, Art the Clown, and he looked very creepy. Um, he definitely looks scarier than anything that happened in the two new It movies. So I I don't know. Um, I'm not necessarily sold on the believability of people are literally passing out in their seats and throwing up in the bathroom. Um, the, the fact that it's a New York Post article also does not help because... Yeah, I don't trust them either. <laughs> so so the question here is, is like, okay, you got to give me numbers on this one. There are no numbers associated with this. How many people passed out? Mm -hmm. How many people puked? Okay. If one guy had a bad sandwich and puked and passed out and you're writing a story, oh, it was so graphic. Someone puked and passed out. Oh, my goodness. Now, if we're talking like you've got 10 people unconscious and like buckets of vomit hanging out all over the theater that they're having to bring in a, a team of sanitizers to come in and clean the theater. Okay. Now we're talking about something. Otherwise, you know, I mean, I'm going to need some numbers on that. Yeah, uh, I did. I did no. like the one person was like posting a picture of their Instagram of like their friend on a stretcher. And like, <laughs> this movie made my friend totally almost die. It was awesome. Like, because that's what i mean that's what friends do man you they laugh at you they instagram you and then they make sure you're okay yeah sure yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh but as terms in terms of the idea like i you know it's the same kind of thing with like the shock jock radio where it's like when when somebody just intends and in, you know like think like stephen a smith or or some of those guys on the they just you know they're intentionally saying ridiculous, stupid, awful things just to get attention, just to get everyone else. Mm. Oh, I can't believe he said that. I can't believe he said that. I think there might be something at, at play here similar to this. It's like we're just going to throw in a 
you know, just make something as bloody, as messy, as gory, and as violent as we can humanly can, just because we can, just so that we can get people talking about it. I think there's definitely something to that to it. Um, how? What do you think? How far is too far? Like, what? What is? Where do you draw a line with, um, saying like, okay, you shouldn't go this far in a film, um, in terms of like gore and violence and blood and that sort of thing. I mean, I'll say there's, there's only one movie that has ever made me feel that way. Like uncomfortable that mm -hmm. actually made me physically sick. Like I, not that I threw up or anything, but I really did not enjoy the experience. And that was the movie hostile. Mm. Um, and I don't know what it was about that movie, particularly maybe just that it, the, the violence, and torture and it just felt so personal mm. um and extreme so i don't know if it's that personal connection that makes it you know so bad um i mean there's just some really messed up stuff yeah. in that movie uh cutting somebody's achilles tendon and making them stand up and walk away from a chair mm. uh not something you really want to see maybe maybe for me it was the fact that very few horror movies can I relate to because I'm very, very, and one of the reasons why I like the genres, I'm very easily able to dissociate myself from what I'm watching mm -hmm. because I, because I think there's no possible way any of this could happen to me. Yeah. Um, something like that, I guess when it's like so hands-on and so focused, like could make you feel more like, Hey, this could maybe happen to me. And that's way scarier. Mm hmm. So maybe that's why people are so unnerved by this, that if someone was this crazy and did some of these things that could actually happen yeah, um, in their personal lives or someone they care about, I'm not really sure what it is that. So not, I, I don't know where that line is because I think it's different for every person because I think it does relate to how you're able to distance yourself from mm -hmm. things. Some people can barely watch anything scary because they love nightmares all night. Yeah. There's never been that person. So I, I I mean and not being a fan of the horror genre itself, I'm maybe not the most qualified to answer it, but one of the things that always has struck me is what exactly is the goal here? Like are you creating something that's actually art? Are you creating something that's designed for an experience or are you just glorifying violence? Or are you glorifying like evil and you know mayhem and all this stuff is it just hey we just want to bask in you know you know how depraved we can make something uh that that to me is when it goes too far um if you can justify what you're doing and why you're having it you can have an artistic flavor to it or if there's or if it's consistent logically consistent on some level i think maybe there's a place for it uh, when it just crosses a line to glorifying uh, for the sake of glorifying it, that that's when it maybe goes too far. Yeah, I think in uh, you um, think about a movie like Seven, where there's always obviously some very disturbing, messed up things yeah. that happen, but they all serve the purpose of mm -hmm. telling the story of who this guy is and why they're doing what they're doing. Yeah, um, as opposed to some other movies that just kind of have torture for the sake of let's be violent because, you yeah. know. Yeah. 
Okay. Well, that is our news stories uh, for the day. Now let's um, let's move on to our discussion topic. Uh, so the context in our discussion topic is uh, I bought a house uh, about a year ago. And when we were moving in, like my giant movie rack that housed all of my movies broke. And ever since then, my movies have been in a box in boxes in my office for an, almost an entire year. And it's driving me nuts. And I haven't been able to find like the right system or the right thing I would do or how I want to put them in there. And, and so a, it's just been, so, yeah. So a, that's crazy. B that explains why I haven't seen the giant movie case behind you and see it's been that long since I haven't seen the giant movie case behind you, which seems impossible to me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so I, that got me thinking about the whole idea of movie ownership. And so I thought we'd have a discussion about, about movie ownership and we'll talk about some of the things like, is movie ownership still a viable investment? You know, what, what determines which way we end up, which movies we end up owning the digital, physical, uh, older format movies, you know, where we see all that going. So let, let's just jump into it. Let's jump into movie ownership. Um, let's start, let's start with the, what determines, like, what is, what is your general view of movie ownership at this point? Let's start there. You can't like own a movie, man. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I have a lot of movies. There's actually a, a case behind me right here. Yeah, see, that is showing roughly a third of the movies in boxes that are in my current room that I'm in. Um, I like to buy movies. I like to only buy movies generally that i have seen and like mm. makes mm. me a little different than some other people some people will buy a movie just to check it out like it's in the discount bin or whatever um i know this was a big thing like when like when blockbuster used to sell like used movies yeah. you get a movie for like a couple bucks um so i tend to gravitate towards only buying things that i've seen and know i like and want to have in my collection to go back and watch later um obviously there's a ton of streaming services out there now mm -hmm. with a lot of movies on them um but unless it's a disney movie <laughs> <laughs> you might not know where it is yeah and there are tools to search for that kind of thing but um even with those tools doesn't does not necessarily mean that the movie is going to be available on one of those Platform. Yeah, you'd be surprised as how many movies are not actually on any of the streaming services. I mm -hmm. mean, of course, you can always pay to rent basically anything on Apple or on, on Amazon or something like that. But rentals are super expensive. Digital rentals are super expensive. That's why I think it's still a viable means of uh, of doing that, owning movies. I, think, I still think it's a... It's a worthwhile investment, especially, especially when it's a movie you really, really like and really enjoy because um, you don't know when it's going to leave a particular streaming service. Mm -hmm. you know? Now, that's getting a little bit less like that as as some of the streaming services start to hone in on where the we are the home for these 
for Warner Brothers or where the home for these. But even still, you know, not all of them are on there. So I still think there's value in owning movies. Um, I I switched in a number of years ago to like mainly the movies I buy are the ones that I rated the highest the previous year. Um, so I will buy the ones that I like the best from the previous year. That way I make sure I have them and I own them. And and so I, I now go much more for quality. Um, previously, I would I would go for like ones I could get cheap. <laughs> mm-hmm. So so I would buy movies that I'd seen that I thought were at least half decent and, and I get them when I get them cheap. And um, that's why I have a lot of movies because um, I was doing that for a while. But now I've moved more towards I don't necessarily have to buy all kinds of movies, but I want the ones that I can get. Um, for the ones that I, I think are worth it. Um, what else, what else, uh, what do you do for, for buying? Uh, are you still buying physical copies? Are you buying digital movies? What, what type of format are you going for at this point? I tend to still buy physical copies and it's not because I like necessarily the physical aspects of it. Like I don't, I don't like having a lot of, clutter around <laughs> um but i do like um a lot of the physical editions have uh special features and stuff that you don't necessarily yep. get the digital absolutely version this major selling point for me um and honestly when it comes to cost uh i pretty much i i very rarely buy movies when they first come out it has to be something that like I'm really absolutely crazy about like um I bought Dune as soon yeah. as it was available. Um I bought uh, Inception as soon as it was available. Um but those are those are not often. Um yeah. Tenant was another one I, that I was yeah, like I tend to wait until Black Friday. Yeah. Um that weekend to buy movies because oh, yeah. every major store has a ton of movies on sale. And honestly at that point you can find them cheaper than it is to buy the digital version of them in most instances um and i i'm also i'm wary of buying digital versions through a certain service because you are paying for a license you're not paying for right the movie itself and at some point those licenses will run out (laughs) so i i don't know why you would want to invest hundreds of dollars in something that you might not have in 30 years I mean, yeah, that was it might whole, be unlikely that would happen, but it is possible. So that was the whole Bruce Willis thing where he was he was trying to sue Apple because he couldn't like gift his library, his iTunes library to his daughter or something like that. And that's what that's kind of what brought that to attention. Like you don't actually own any of this stuff. When yeah. You purchase it from from one of these companies. So I do I do like having movies in a digital format, but I like um so I started a project a few years ago that I want to get back into converting my physical format copies into digital copies to store on my own hard drives. So what Um, is that? What is that process like? So you, uh, if you have a Blu-ray drive or a DVD drive, um, you can, you can pull the files off of the discs. Um, You have to, there's a, there's software you have to have to be able to do it. You can't just like put it in and just, click like go you know yeah um there's software you have to have to make that happen um 
And then there's other software you can use to encode it so that it takes up less space. Some people like to keep it the full size. Um, some people like to, if you make it have a little less space, it can degrade the quality a little bit. So some people don't want to do that. Um, but, you know, you only have so much room for things. Um, I would say that when I was doing this before, the full length movies on Blu-ray, if I did, were coming about like 24 gigabytes hmm. of space. And then you could um, encode them to take up like three to four yeah. gigabytes of space if you, if you had the settings uh, the right way. Which, if you have a movie like four gigabyte size, you can store a lot of movies on like a two terabyte hard drive. Um, And then there's, so in most instances in what I would do, there's software you can get to store your movies and have them in a way aesthetically to uh, keep track of them. That's, to me, it's just easier than Mm -hmm. having to look through a whole bunch of discs to find what you want, but it also is a very time consuming thing. And if I'm really going to make it happen, I would have to probably spend time doing at least one or two movies every day for quite a while. Yeah. Um, it's not something that's just a quick few minute process. It usually takes a couple hours to get one done. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I have a lot of friends who have gone that way um, that have things stored on their own personal media servers just so that they don't have to ever look at the disc again. um i think uh for me i mostly i still buy physical copies of most things um and the nice thing about it is almost any version you get now will come with physical copy in multiple formats so if you buy a blu-ray a lot of times it'll come with a dvd a blu-ray and a digital copy or you know, if you buy a 4K movie, it'll come with a Blu-ray, a 4K disc, and a digital version. Uh, most of the modern ones do that. Now, occasionally you'll buy something that's like five bucks and it's like a five dollar Blu-ray. It doesn't have any digital back uh, backing to it. Uh, but a lot of them do have that format. So you don't have to sacrifice like wanting to just pull something up on an app uh, without having to find a disc uh, to have that. So you can have the digital features um you can have the the extras and the special features from the the disc versions um but still be able to watch digitally or or download it to your computer if you want um so that's that's a nice feature and i i enjoy that thoroughly i have on occasion purchased movies from uh itunes or something um because uh i got an itunes card or you know something was a really good deal or that sort of thing where I was like, oh, I really want to, this movie. I don't have it. You know, no one, none of the stores have it. I guess I'll rent it. And then the buying, it's like a couple bucks more. So I'll just do it. Um, yeah. I've done that on a couple of occasions. Or sometimes you get a, like a good, um, the Apple movie store has like, occasionally they'll have like double features for the price of one. I got like Annihilation and um, Arrival that way. And so that was, that was a good deal. Yeah, I actually have the exact same uh two movies that i got in the same way so yeah yeah that was that was a really good deal at the time but you are absolutely right about black friday is the time because they'll discount a lot of stuff that just came out recently to uh, a lot of times less than 10 bucks and that's sometimes for like 4k discs yeah 
So it's really, it's really worth it. I, I do stock up on that every single year. Uh, what do you, uh, do you still keep around old format movies? Do you still have, you still have your DVDs? Do you have any VHS? Well, what do you got there? Uh, we had a good amount of VHS because we had like, uh, one of those all in one TV players with the VHS Oh yeah, for our kids to watch movies when they were younger, especially we had one in their playroom mm. and just had a whole bunch of movies on VHS so they could pop them in and watch whatever they wanted to from that selection when they wanted to watch a movie. Yeah. Um, but that thing broke, so we don't use that anymore. <laughs> um, as far as disco, I have, I have some, um, I have a lot, we have a lot of DVDs, mm-hmm. um, a decent amount of Blu-rays. And I think we have probably about 15 or so, uh, movies in 4k on disc. Um, that would be the ones that we have the least of. Yeah. Uh, to me, like I, I like to have a Blu-ray or 4K just because of the quality, and part of it also is the sound system. Yeah, that I have because they have better, they they they're sending a better signal. Um, um Blu-ray is better than DVD, and 4K is better than Blu-ray yeah. when it comes to the sound you're gonna get out of the movie. Um, I do have a lot of movies on uh our Voodoo account, which is our like digital movie library mm-hmm. but almost all of those have been like you said with codes from discs um a long time ago we converted a bunch of our um dvd movies uh, onto voodoo it was like they had some kind of thing where it was like if you for every 10 movies it was half off or something like that mm-hmm. so we had a ton of movies we put on so basically we put our entire library all the ones that had um copies in their the system onto there um and then as far as having it on our own server i started that project a few years ago but we haven't used it in a while but i i was using plex and i probably and mm. um i've done that a few different times and that would be the one that if you're going to do something with i recommend plex plex um is the server you can connect it to your computer your hard drive or whatever and it can store your movies you can change the cover art for your movies you can um, do all kinds of stuff and you can organize them however you want um, to make it easier for you to like search through your own library of things. And the other thing I like about them too, is you can, um, like I said, I like special features mm-hmm. and with that, uh, like a lot of digital services, if you're buying a movie from them, you're not going to get special features. Sometimes you do. Um, or sometimes on- occasionally it's different special yeah, features. We have, we get have otherwise. The Harry Potter collection from Voodoo, and on that there were a lot of special features. Actually, seven hour long documentaries, one mm. for each movie. Um, but that's not typical, I would say. Yeah. And the nice thing about a thing like Plex is you can pull any of the special features you want from those discs that you own and put them under the like catalog of that movie on your server. So, and you can have it set up so you open up the movie and it'll show the movie to watch or it will show all the special features to watch and you choose to watch whatever you want and you can name them whatever you want so you can organize it in a way that makes sense to you which i really like and uh that's the main reason one of the main reasons why i started using that because i like special features a lot um and being able to just access them without having to get the disc out is really nice yeah 
Yeah, and the digital movie space has gotten better. Um, it, when it first, when they started first started giving you digital copies, it was an absolute mess. Like there was this program, Ultraviolet, uh, but basically, it you couldn't play the movies on there. It would just kind of sort of organize them and then send you to like the some random website for either the company or some other version. Like it would send you to. Flickster or send you to voodoo or send you somewhere else um so that that became a real like a real not great experience uh, thankfully movies anywhere has kind of come in and taken over that particular space um so it aggregates them and you can play them on their site um and so it can aggregate from different from different uh uh digital sites and a lot of times when you get the chance, you can choose, do I want this? Um, you get the digital card in the, in the Blu-ray and I'll say, okay, which service do you want to do it? And then it'll give you a couple of options like movies anywhere. Or do you want it to be Apple or anything like that? Um, the nice thing about um, movies anywhere is it can link to your iTunes, uh, your Apple movie account. And so anything you put into movies anywhere can get loaded onto your iTunes account. So you can play them from the same thing. Um, that's pretty cool. Movies Anywhere also has a rental or a, a loan feature where you can, um, certain movies, you can like basically quote, loan them to a friend or you can give them access to your movie, um, which is kind of cool. Um, the, I do have a voodoo accounts too, because there's certain things that are only on voodoo or that I had to get through voodoo, um, from previous stuff so those are basically down to the three that i primarily use that almost everything is on um so it's 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 a pretty nice uh setup now it's gotten a lot better than it used to be yeah voodoo can be really nice if you're sharing it with um people because you can have i believe up to seven unique email addresses on that account and so that's what me and all my brothers have and we have like 400 plus movies on there because it's all of our movie collections basically put together yeah and any one of us can access it any time and check stuff out which is really cool yeah um yeah so i think it's i think it's a good uh good rundown of movie ownership do you have anything else to say on the topic uh i just need to you know get back on this project because i'm looking <laughs> at all this these boxes right now and i'm like mm, you could be digital this so always just... good yeah, that's it. <laughs> this always reminds me. It's like I've been I, whenever the price is close between Blu-ray and 4K, I've always been buying the 4K, even though I don't have a 4K TV or a 4K player. <laughs> I'm doing that in anticipation of when I finally get around to having a 4K player. Yeah, um, but uh, I don't yet have permission to spend the money on those things. So <laughs> hopefully yeah, one there, day there is there is absolutely a difference between uh, the quality of a blu-ray and 4k absolutely i can tell you that because i have a 4k tv and um i lot watch a lot of 4k content on it and it is a it's a very significant difference yeah for sure all right so that's our discussion for this week uh let's move on to our watch list movies we've watched over the past week rob give us an update so i continue to watch a movie every night except for last night when i fell asleep halfway through the movie <laughs> and need to finish the original Pet Cemetery tonight because that oh, was a lot of fun. Um, a couple that stick out to me from the last week, I watched uh, Jeepers Creepers mm. 1 and 2. 
Uh, okay. Jeepers Creepers stars Justin Long mm. um, and involves this alien slash vampire slash I'm not really sure what this thing is. It's creepy. It's it's weird. It's, if you want to watch a weird horror movie, watch Jeepers Creepers because <laughs> it's just it kind of just feels like a mishmash of a thousand different ideas all rolled into one. And they're like, this doesn't really make coherent sense at all, but let's just make a movie out of it. Yeah. Uh, it is a little creepy, but I mean, the, the, there are some definitely very creepy parts to it. And the reason why I say like it's a mismatch because there, there are some like really scary moments, but there are also some really like horror corny tropey moments in it. So it, it, it almost feels like you can't decide what it wants to be. Yeah. Um, but it made it an interesting movie to watch. Um, I also watched uh, Cabin in the Woods again. Okay. And as we were talking about earlier, sometimes you don't know where things are. That's not currently streaming anywhere, which really surprised me. Hmm. Um, so I actually had to rent that one. I rented it through Apple uh, movies. Um, I actually, I thought I had, I thought I owned it, but apparently I don't. Or <laughs> I never put it on anything digitally because I don't know where the disc is if I do own it. Um, I've, I liked that movie when I first saw it. I like it even more now having watched more horror movies because mm. there's so much in there about the, um, cliches around horror movies and it's really funny. And Chris Hemsworth is in it. And, um, I recommend that if you haven't seen it, even if you don't love horror movies, I think that's a good one to watch Captain in the woods. Um, and I've watched a bunch of others, but those are the ones that stick out to me over the last <laughs> week. Fair enough. Um, I watched two over the past week. I watched uh, Dune again. Uh, this was one that I'd like started rewatching a couple weeks ago and then just finally gotten around to finishing uh, this past week. And again, I just continue to be struck at just how beautiful a film it is. It's incredibly well done. Um, and the complexity... It's the, the, again, that source material is so dense and it's so, it's similar to, I would, I would say the closest thing is to the Lord of the Rings. It's just the, how the, how much backstory, how much depth of content there is. There is an incredible level of depth of content and to be able to direct that it takes, um, and explain that because you're having to, you're having to learn not only just a whole new world, but there's like all this back political intrigue that you're trying to go through and to be able to pull that off in such a way that um, the audience gets it, the audience understands what's happening and, and how Dennis Villanueva is, be, is able to show a lot of that visually so that he doesn't get bogged down in all sorts of um, narrative exposition, trying to explain everything uh, he shows so many th so many things visually that it really really helps move the story along, and uh, I think that's pretty cool. Yeah, I think sci-fi is such a hard genre at times because you have that very fine line of how much do you tell the audience versus how much do you show the audience, how much do you trust the audience to be intelligent and to understand. Yeah, things because a lot of sci-fi movies bog down in trying to explain the entire world and you can't explain the entire world if it's going to be affected or or you end up in a situation where you try you trust the audience but because the film is 
is ethereal and it requires so much trust in the audience, then you don't end up with a wider genre, a wider audience for it. Mm -hmm. um, I would I would say things like the fountain or like ex machina fall into that category. Um but yeah, Dune Dune hits it out of the park. And that's why Dennis Villanueva is so good at this. I mean, he really, really is. He's really good at this. Um, so that's Dune. And the second one I watched was uh, Batman versus Superman Dawn of Justice, the uh, extended edition. And yeah, it's been a little while since I saw it. And I remember like the, the thing that stood out to me originally was kind of like, yeah, the the whole moment with the whole Martha thing, if you're uh, this is a little bit of a spoiler, but um, the whole movie turns Batman hates Superman and is attempting to fight him and kill him. And then the whole thing turns around on a dime when Clark reveals that, you know, his mother's name is Martha and Bruce's mother's name is Martha. And all of a sudden they're best friends because their moms are named Martha. And it was really like, really, guys, that's. That's what you came yeah. up with. <laughs> really? Um, that's that's what originally struck me. What struck me this time was just, I feel like they did a disservice to the characters. Um, I, th I think they, you know, whereas they did a pretty good job of getting Superman reasonably right in Man of Steel, they kind of turned that around and really, I don't, I don't like what they did with Superman. At the same time, I didn't really like what they did with Batman either. And so you have a Superman that you're like, ah, oh, I don't think they got that. And a Batman, you're like, oh, okay. And so like, that's your movie. <laughs> that's your movie. Um, it, I think the one thing they did reasonably well was um, the introduction of Wonder Woman. Um, they slow played that well. And then she kind of comes out of nowhere uh, at the end and helps them. I think that was kind of cool. I think they did a good job with that. Um, otherwise it's just, I mean, you know, Jesse Eisenberg is crazy. So he, he's reasonable as Lex Luthor. Um, but yeah, there's just, there's just a lot of stuff that just, it didn't, it just didn't quite do what it was supposed to. Yeah. I think that's, uh, the DC universe's catchphrase actually. Yeah. Pretty much. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. All right, Rob, you got anything else? I do not. All right. Well, that is the show. Thank you for tuning into Film for Fans podcast. Make sure you visit filmforfans.com where we have great written content. And uh, check us out on YouTube if you'd like to see our smiling faces and Rob's array of uh, Pittsburgh gear, unfortunately. <laughs> Until next time, enjoy the movies.